Hi, this is John Ozanting, lead pastor of Evolve Church, and this is the Evolve Church podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. We hope that you find today's message encouraging and full of hope for wherever you're at. Are you ready for Roots Part 2? All right, we did it last week. We're going to do it again. Everybody in your, like, most southern full voice, repeat after me, say, Roots! Very good, very, very good. Psalms, chapter 1, verse 1 through 3, it says, What delight comes to the one who follows God's ways. He won't walk in step with the wicked, nor share the sinner's way, nor be found sitting in the scorner's seat. His pleasure, whose pleasure? Whoever follows God's ways, I want to make that clear. Whoever follows God's ways, their pleasure and passion is remaining true to the word of I am, meditating day and night in the true revelation of life. They will be standing firm like a flourishing tree planted by God's design, deeply rooted by the brooks of bliss, bearing fruit in some seasons. Did I make a mistake? Bearing fruit in, what was that? Say it again. How many seasons? Very good. Bearing fruit in every season of their life. He, she, never dry, never fainting, ever blessed, ever prosperous. As we kicked off last week, I I made this statement. I don't know about you, but I want to stand firm in my life like a flourishing tree planted by God's design, deeply rooted and bearing fruit in every season of my life. Regardless of what season, could I continue to stay deeply rooted and flourish and bear fruit? Last week, we, uh, we started looking at three different root systems. We covered one of them last week, Sunday. We said that having deep spiritual roots is giving care and attention to the hidden and to the unseen. We talked about how God is at work in your root system. He's at work in your life, even when you can't see it. We often look for the exterior. We look for the um, external things in our life. We want, we want the fruit so desperately. We want our lives to be meaningful and have value. Uh, but maybe you're discouraged, and maybe you're not sure where God's at work in your life. And I want to remind you, God, God, even if you can't see him, he's at work. It just might be beneath the surface in that root system. We, we laid out this fun fact about tree roots that most tree roots are located in the top 6 to 24 inches of the soil, but they occupy an area two to four times the diame- diana- diameter of the canopy of the tree. Now, Shaleen helped us with the word canopy. I was grateful for her help. Do you spend two to four times the amount of time on the stuff in your life that nobody sees, the hidden, the unseen, that secret place? So if you were here last week, you got to hear that message. If you missed it, maybe you've listened to the podcast sometime this week. But today we're going to say this, having deep spiritual roots is doing what's in front of you and doing it well. Today we're going to talk about stewardship. I love talking about stewardship. Because I believe that every single one of us, regardless of what we have or where we're planted or or what our root systems look like, we are called to a lifetime of godly stewardship. We are meant to take care of those things which God entrusts us with. We're meant to be good stewards. Here's another fun fact about tree roots. Soil compaction, change in soil depth, improper watering can injure roots, increasing the stress and susceptibility to disease and insects. So, here's a question. The integrity of where you are planted is vital. So who or what are you planted in? 
You know, when God gives us a dream or a vision for something, I don't need a show of hands, but I want to ask, how many of you would say you've got a dream, a vision for your life? You don't have to put your hand up. It's just like on the inside, you've got this dream, this, this sense of purpose, this desire to live in a, in a way that's meaningful in the world around you, to make a difference in, in Jesus' kingdom, to live for God. You've got this dream on the inside of you, and maybe it's even God-breathed. You feel like it's deeply spiritual, something that God dropped and placed with inside of you. The next step in fulfilling that dream or vision isn't bearing fruit. The next step in fulfilling the dreams and the visions that God's put on your heart isn't actually to fulfill those dreams and visions, to bear fruit in those things. The next step is to grow healthy roots. Because God's not interested in developing our vision first. He's interested in developing us. God says, don't, don't fixate on the vision. Don't fixate on the dream. Don't fixate on the goal. Let me work on your inner. Let me work on your inside. God's not interested in developing our vision first. He wants to develop us, our character, our integrity. God wants to teach us about his nature and his character. As a good father, he longs more than anything for all of us, every single one of us, to enter into a relationship of surrender that simply looks like trust. God, I, I trust you. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that looks like, but I, but I trust you. Trust, man, that's a big one. What if paying close attention to what's before us and doing it well was simply connected to how each one of us is learning to trust God? What if our stewardship was connected to our ability to trust the Father? You don't necessarily learn trust in the moments where everything is going great, though, do you? Why? Because that doing it and doing it well can often just be us being good at something and doing it in our own strength. Which is why the integrity of our root system has a lot to do with where we're planted. Are you planted in your own worth? Are you planted in your own skill set? Are you planted in your own accomplishments? Are you planted in your own talents and abilities? Or are you deeply rooted in a trust for the Father? What if paying close attention to what's before us, what if stewardship was a, was a heart cry to put our roots down deep in trusting God? Because we learn in the moments where things seem impossible, where we have no say over the outcome. Isn't, isn't that where we learn to really trust God? Like when we feel like we have no say in what's going on in our life. As I was preparing for this, um, I was thinking that a year ago right now, we were still living in Winnipeg. And we were living with Nicole's mom and dad. We'd sold our home. And we were like 21 days out from driving here with our children to move to Edmonton to start pioneering a team and, and plant Evolve Church. It's just a year ago that we were still living in Winnipeg. And, and I was up, awake, bawling my face off <laughs> so many nights of the week a year ago because I so desperately wanted to trust God, but I couldn't see how this was going to happen. I knew it was in his heart. I knew we were being asked to come here and be involved in helping lead Evolve as a part of Jesus' church in the city of Edmonton. But I couldn't see it. I couldn't see how we were going to pay for it. I couldn't see the people yet that were going to come alongside and carry this dream and this vision for us. And so in my terror, in my fear, and in my mourning, and in my tears, 
this voice just said, I know, John, I know you can't see the outcome. I know you can't see what I've gone before and prepared for you. I know you can't see it, but you just have to trust me. You have to trust me. Because bearing healthy fruit is a natural byproduct of having healthy roots. And I, I'll be honest. I want Evolved Church to bear fruit. More than that, I want it to be the kind of fruit that remains. I want my life. I want my home. I want my parenthood. I want my marriage to Nicole. I want our investment into this city, into our neighborhood. I want it to bear fruit, and not just fruit, but fruit that lasts, that goes the distance, that makes a difference. We learn to trust in the moments where things seem impossible, and yet all of us shy away from the impossible. Why? Because we hit these moments where we're like, okay, God, I know there's this, and it looks impossible, and it would require me to trust you fully, but there's also this, and, and, and I can handle this. I got this. I can do this. I know I'm capable of this. And so there's a tension between what God's inviting us into and how we're learning to trust him and, and putting our roots in that trust soil versus putting our roots in what we know we're capable of, the safe existence of I've got this. It's okay, God. I love you. And I'll continue hanging out with you and talking to you, but I've got this. Where God says, go deeper. Put those roots down into trust. All healthy, developing fruit is always connected to healthy roots. And if we're going to bear fruit that remains, then we have to put our roots down in trust. If we're going to be good stewards and, and pay attention to what's before us and do it well, we have to do it from a place of putting our roots in Him not in our own sense of self. Because having deep spiritual roots is doing what's in front of you and doing it well. But doing what's in front of you well requires trust in who you are rooted in. Doing what's in front of you really well requires us to trust who our roots are planted in. The integrity of who you are planted in is vital. Trust. This getting us to trust in him. And that's God's desire as we look at God being more interested in working inside of us and developing our character, learning how to trust the Father. There's a verse in Jeremiah 17, verse 7 and 8. It says, blessed is the man who trusts in me, in God. Blessed is the woman who sticks with God. Because they're like trees replanted in Eden, putting down roots near the rivers, Never a worry through the hottest of summers, never dropping a leaf, serene and calm through drought, bearing fresh fruit in every season. Regardless of your circumstance, regardless of what you can't see, regardless of what you're believing God for, he says, if you put your roots deep into my trust, you'll bear and flourish in every season. Doing what's in front of us well requires trust in who we are rooted in. And God says, trust me, because that's the primary way that he's developing the integrity in our root system. It's through trust. Now, trust is hard. Um, I'm going to need a volunteer. So I'm going to think about whether or not you want to volunteer while I pour water into this Ziploc bag.
right here. Julia. That's nice, Julia. You know what, for the sake of posterity, I'm going to invite my wife to come sit on the edge of the stage here. Yeah, come on, Nicole. Julia, I need your help as well. Come on up on the stage for Daddy. Just come sit right here, love. Yeah, right here. Just sit right there on the edge of the stage. I'm just going to hold a Ziploc bag full of water over your head. Julia, I'm going to get you to hold this mic in front of my mouth. Good job, sweetie. Now, not only do I have a Ziploc bag full of water in my hand, but I also have three sharp pencils. Nicole, do you trust, it's a little, little too high, there we go, that's okay. Do you trust that I could stab pencils into this bag of water by holding it over your head? Do you trust me, baby? No? Julia, here, hold on to those for a second. Because, um, I don't know. I don't know. I think I should poke another one in here. What do you think? Do you trust me? Little drips? Little drips? Oh, man. There's two sharp pencils poking through both sides of the Ziploc bag. No drips. Because I didn't go through far enough, right? I don't know. Should we do a third? Who thinks I should? Hands, show of hands if I should do a third. Nicole, do you trust me? Do you trust me, dear? I love you, dear. Do you trust me? Whoa! I shouldn't have done the third. Do you want me to take it? Yeah, you take that. I should have left it at two, but uh, just, just trust. You give it a hand for Nicole and, and for Julia. But uh, Does trusting God ever feel risky? Does trusting him fully, like even when we can't see it, does it ever feel risky? Because here's the thing. We all love hearing talks about faith and trusting God. We love hearing, hearing about it. And, and we all think that Nicole is like very brave for, for allowing me to, uh, I should have left it at two pencils. But we all think she's brave, right? We all think she's brave. But what about you and him? What about you and God? What about you and the Father? Like, we, we want, we love the stories about trust. We love the stories about putting our unwavering trust in God and believing him for the impossible. But when it boils down to actually doing it, isn't it really hard? As we wind down today, I, I want to focus just on one specific area that I believe God wants us to learn to trust him. There's a hundred things I could talk about. Um, but I want to focus just on one thing today. Because I believe it's important. And not just as an external surface level trust, but as a deep, uh, I could get soaked kind of trust. I could get completely drenched if I trust God. A trust in his inner work, allowing him to develop us on the inside. Because doing what's in front of us well requires trust in who we are rooted in. So there's just one specific thing 
again, there was lots of things I could talk about, but there's one specific thing I want to just take a few minutes and talk about today. I could talk about how to root your trust in God in regards to your physical health, but I'm not going to. I could talk to you about how to root your trust in God in regards to your family. That'd be a great talk. I'll put that one on the back burner for another day. I could talk to you today about how to put your trust in God in regards to your work. Because that's important. But the number one, number one condition of soil that creates stress in human beings, the number one cause for fear and for stress in our lives, across the board, around the globe, is money. And so I want to just take a couple minutes as we close today to talk to you about how to root your trust in God in regards to your money. Now, here's the question. How do we root our trust in God when it comes to money? I can feel the atmosphere in the room changing, even as I say the money word. It's, it's beautiful to me because there's nothing in church that creates more tension than when the pastor starts talking about money. But the number one source of stress in your life is financial. And if it isn't right now, hang on, because it will be. And if God wants us to learn to lean in and trust him in every regard, in every realm, in every sphere, if my surrender to Jesus all to Jesus I surrender. What if all means all, including money? And so here's where in the context of Evolve and our story, I just want to say I'm, I, I believe that here today is a spirit of unity because of God's presence in this place. And even those who are listening to the podcast, because of God's spirit, there's a sense of unity. But unity doesn't mean uniformity. And so this isn't um, a Band-Aid that I'm putting over your life. This is a conversation that I wanted to start with us. And this is about our sixth month mark as a new church plant. And I haven't really talked about money yet. But we're six months in. And because it's the most important area of, of, of perhaps stress being created in your life, let's dive in in the few minutes we have left. Sound good? Did you know that the Bible contains over 2,300 verses about money and possessions? This book that we lean into and love and, and, want, and want to receive from has a lot to say about money. Matter of fact, 15% of everything that Jesus said related to issues of money. That's a lot. Is it possible that the reason Jesus said so much about money is because he loves us and wants us to handle money, steward it, what's before us? Respond well with roots of trust. He wants us to do it well. It's an uncomfortable subject, to be sure, but if Jesus felt it was important enough to cover, then perhaps maybe we should just take a few minutes today. So, water in the bag. We all love hearing about stories of faith. We all want to be that person that's willing to trust God with every part of our life. But what does it look like to trust God with deep spiritual roots when it comes to our money? There's a story in Luke 3 that we've read from before, and uh, Luke 3, 7 uh, to 14, it's about 
John, um, who was teaching people in the desert before Jesus actually started his own work on planet Earth, John kept preaching to the many crowds who came out to be baptized, you are nothing but the offspring of poisonous snakes, full of deception. That's an encouraging, uplifting word, isn't it? Welcome to church. You are nothing but the offspring of poisonous snakes, full of deception. Have you been warned to repent before the coming wrath of God? Ooh, this is heavy stuff. Then turn away from your sin, turn to God, and prove it by a changed life. Note those words. Turn away from your former, turn away from your sin, turn to God, and then change how you live. Those three things. Don't think for a moment that it's enough to simply be the favored descendants of Abraham. And specifically in this context, John's talking to a, a largely Jewish crowd of people. That's not enough to save you, to just be a Jew. He says, I'm telling you, God could make more sons of Abraham out of stones if he chose to. In other words, this message is for anybody. Even now, get this, God's axe of judgment is poised to chop down your barren tree right down to its roots. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be leveled and thrown into the fire Mic drop, amen. Wasn't that, wasn't that lovely? So John's teaching religious people who are largely Jewish in context that to just be a label, just being a Jew or just being a Christian isn't enough. It needs to be reflected in how we live out our faith. It needs to be reflected in how we repent from something, turn to Jesus, and then live differently. So the crowd kept asking John, what then are we supposed to do? Here's where it gets interesting. John told them, give food to the hungry, clothe the poor, and bless the needy. Even the despised tax collectors came to John to be baptized, and they asked him, what are we to do to prove that our hearts have changed? John says, be honest. Don't demand more taxes than you are required to collect. And then the soldiers say, what about us? What should we do, John? We want to live differently. And John says, be content with what you earn. Never extort money or terrify others by threats of violence or be guilty of accusing the innocent. So again, the heartbeat of this passage of Scripture, John's teaching people to change their former as they turn to Jesus and then begin to live differently. And he addresses three different groups of people. He addresses the crowd and he addresses the tax collectors and he addresses soldiers and isn't it interesting that John's unpacking of what it means to turn to God fully on all three examples was a money response. All three different. It's so odd to me that John teaching about how to turn to God, how to surrender, how to submit your life to God practically, they're saying, John, what should we do? We've changed on the inside. How do we respond? And he gives them a money response. Some of you are like, I hate this church. Hang with me. Hang with me. Because what hasn't changed in this space as we're teaching is that God's presence here is still leaning in quietly saying, I want you to trust me. I want you to trust me in every part. Because God's not interested in developing our vision first. He's actually interested in developing us, every part of us. God wants to teach us about his nature, his character. He wants to teach us that he's a good father and that we can trust him with everything, including our money. 
And we don't necessarily learn trust in the moments where everything's going great financially. We learn trust with the Father where things are out of control and we're in over our heads and we're terrified. We learn in the moments where things seem impossible and where we can't see the outcome. Because bearing healthy financial fruit is a natural byproduct of having healthy financial fruits. And so John to the crowd says, give food to the hungry, clothe the poor, bless the needy. Well, that's going to cost me. Sure is. To the tax collector, he says, be honest. Don't demand more taxes than what you're required to collect. And to us, we say, well, so we're supposed to have integrity with our money? Okay. And to the soldier, he says, be content with what you earn. Never extort money or terrify others. Every single time here, Jesus, um, or sorry, John the Baptist is teaching that that surrendering our life to God has to do with how we steward our money. Back to Jeremiah 17. We are blessed when we trust God, when we stick with God. We're like trees replanted in Eden, putting down roots near the rivers. Never worry through the hottest of summers. Do you ever worry about money? Maybe you haven't put your roots in trusting God financially. Never dropping a leaf. Have you ever dropped the ball when it comes to finances? Where are your roots when it comes to money? Serene and calm through drought. If you're in a drought financially, could we describe you as being both serene and calm? If not, I wonder where your roots are. Bearing fresh fruit in every season. I wonder. We root our trust in God with money when we, number one, give our money away. Number two, are honest about the money that we have. And number three, are content with the money that we earn. We give it away, we're honest about it, and we're content. The best way that Nicole and I have learned to give money away and be honest about our financial situation and to be content with the money that we've made in seasons is through every month giving something first to God before we give to anything else. And this is a biblical principle the principle of first fruits. And some of you in this room are really comfortable with this subject matter. I'll be honest, when I was 21 and I first was starting to make a paycheck, it wasn't much, but it was mine. I, I wasn't taught to regularly set something aside and give it to God first when I was a kid growing up. But that it was something you could do kind of here and there. And you could give of your time and that counted, and you could give of your talent, and that counted. But to regularly give something to God financially was a new concept to me when I was 21. And when I first opened up my Bible personally and started studying this subject matter and began learning what it means for me to trust God with every part of my life, including my money, I actually felt gypped. I was like, why didn't somebody teach me this when I was a kid? And from the time I was 21 to today, I've taken a percentage of every check and I've given it to God before I pay any other bill and before we pay for ourselves. And, and there's amazing resources out there. There's amazing topics. And, and just as a point of interest, as I was preparing for today, I, I started doing research online. Do you know that there are people all around the world who don't serve God and probably never will, who give 10% of their money away? just because it's a wise thing to do. Just as a point of business, 
They know that they should invest in others before they continue to invest in themselves. The whole world is wise to this. I dare you to start looking into it. And again, this isn't a Band-Aid. This is a conversation we want to start today. But I want to ask you, if you desire to trust God, if you desire to be a good steward of your life, if you desire to not only respond to what's ahead of you and what you're, what you're able to do, but to do it well with a spirit of faith and with a root system that's deeply embedded in trusting God with everything, how do you allow that to touch your money? And I don't want to answer that for you, but I do want us all to take time this week to answer that for ourselves. Nicole and I are, are tithers. We tithe to Evolve Church. We take 10% of what we make and we pour it back into this place so that we can keep doing what we're doing. On top of that, and this isn't a point of boasting, this is just a point of who we are. It, it's, we're deeply passionate about this. On top of that, we take more, more of our resources, more of our money, and we give it to other things. We give it to other charities, other organizations. Um, in moments where there's a need that we can help with, we, we want to help. The Bible actually says, as followers of Jesus, we should desire to, to help in every good work and respond financially in every good work. And so there's, there's like this part of us that when kids come to the door raising money for this, we're like, what do we have? Let's give it away. Let's give it away. So in addition to 10%, um, that we, we sow into this place as a, as a tithe or as a first fruits. We can talk more about that if you have questions. Um, we, we love to give. And that's just a part of who we are. We, we, we decided years ago not to live off of 100% of what comes in, but to trust God by giving some away to him first and giving more away to whatever we can and then living off the rest. Because we believe that's doing something in our hearts and in our emotion, in how we're trusting God with our money. Because we don't want money to be a God. Money's a lousy God. It's a beautiful tool, but it's a terrible God. And if fear and worry and pressure and stress about money feel like it's ru running your life, then maybe, just maybe, there's a, something today that God says, hey, what does it look like for you to trust me with your money? A verse that I love, actually two of Jesus' followers, both Matthew and Luke, uh, report the same story on Jesus. And you can read about it in Matthew 23 and in Luke 11. And here's what Jesus says. He says, what sorrow awaits you religious people, teachers of the law, Pharisees, hypocrites? What sorrow awaits you? Here's what Jesus says. For you're careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your garden. But you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, faith. And Jesus says, you should tithe. Yeah, that's easy, is the inference. But don't neglect the more important things. The more important things like justice and faith and mercy. The same story in Luke 11, what sorrow awaits you for you're careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your gardens, but you ignore justice and the love of God. Jesus says you should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. There's a lot that's been taught about tithing. Some people think, well, as Christians we should tithe because when we give to God, he gives back to us. And I think that's a terrible motive to tithe. 
I think it's the worst, actually. I don't, I don't, Nicole and I, we don't, we don't give, we don't tithe to, to our local church because we want, we want God to do something for us. We give to God because we believe that God's doing his best work through his church. Jesus is building his church, and the gates of hell will not stand against it. That's what the book says. And how does Jesus' church stay healthy and strong? When we, when we pour in with our time, when we pour in with our love, when we pour in with a sense of family and community, when we pour in with a sense of home and help and mercy and justice, and also when we give our money. And so I'm not looking for a response from you today. I want to make that really clear. But I wanted to put this out there as the starting point of a conversation, that if you desire in any way to leave here today with a heart that says, God, I want my roots to be so deeply established in trusting you but I want that trust to be in every part of my life my family my work my physical health my home my dreams my visions and God you're not about fulfilling all of those things you're about working inside of me and so I also want to learn to put down roots of trust do what I can do and do it well Trusting you with my money. That's the conversation I want you to have this week. If you're married, go home and have it with your spouse. What does it mean for us to trust God with money? If you're a single person, start a conversation with some of your single friends. How do we trust God with finances? What does it mean to, to value the kingdom of Jesus in terms of how we give? And if you want more information or more resources or more things to study, let's talk. But I wanted to, to start this conversation as a part of looking at what it means to have healthy roots. That to trust God with everything means to trust Him with everything. Amen? All right, let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word and for your spirit here in this space today. God, what we desire is to trust you. But when it comes to money, it creates so much fear, so much pressure, so much anxiety, so much stress. And often we just feel like we're under the weight of something sitting over our heads that's about to burst and, and just drench us. And I'm willing to trust you with my dreams, and I'm willing to trust you with my marriage my ability to be a good dad. I'm willing to trust you with so many things, but do I trust you with my money? Today, God, I acknowledge that to have deep, healthy, spiritual roots that bear fruit that remains requires me to be a good steward, to be a good steward of every part of my life, including my resource, my finances. And where we haven't trusted you, God, we ask that you would speak to that part of our heart. Speak to our homes. Speak to our families. Speak to our marriages. As we start the conversation of what does it mean to trust you. Trust you with a first gift. Trust you with over and above that to be generous with how we live. To not settle for living off of 100% of what comes in, but to set aside First, what we can pour into your heart, into what you're passionate about and what you're building through your church. 
God, as we have these conversations, give us courage to, to start from a place of trusting you, from a desire to trust you with everything. God, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. If you're ever in the Edmonton area, pop by for a visit. And if you need any more information, visit EvolveChurch.com. We hope to see you soon.